We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Pop Torah with Rabbi Iznopf and Olitsky, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we look at pop culture from a Jewish perspective and look at Judaism through the lens of pop culture. As always, we are your hosts. I am Rabbi Michael Knopf. And I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And I am Kenuff. You are Kenuff. Uh, as you might be able to tell, we have a big, supersized summer of 2023 episode to bring to you today. We are going to be talking about the sensation that is sweeping the nation, Barbenheimer. That's right. We are talking Barbie and we are talking Oppenheimer uh, on this episode. Uh, that should be enough for you. Uh, but Jesse, why don't you tell us a little bit about Barbie, and I will uh, follow up with a little bit about Oppenheimer, and then we'll get into it. First, Mike, did you dress up when you went to the theater? For for sure, sure did, sure did. I went with my uh, with my almost eleven year old daughter, uh, who a friend of the friend of the pod, um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I dressed up. She uh, did not. Uh, and uh, she allowed me to go anyway. So, yes, I did. That's awesome. I, too, I wore the uh, sequin sparkly pink shirt that I wore to the Taylor Swift Aerostore concert. It, it works for that. It works for Barbie. It's, it's I, a win-win. I will, I will also tell you, I saw, I didn't see uh, Oppenheimer opening weekend, uh, but close to it. And uh, seeing uh, the crowds coming in and out of Oppenheimer and Barbie at the same time, um, is is just a wild was a wild experience. You know, looking we looking at their faces. Yeah, <laughs> right. We were walking out of Oppenheimer, and uh, and and people were very dour. You know, the uh, end of the world kind of vibes. Uh, it was like you know, it was like uh, you know, coming out of like a Cure concert, and then everybody's going into a Taylor Swift concert, right? <laughs> uh, with with everybody like taking happy selfies in front of the Barbie posters, etc. So uh, yeah, wild times that we live in. So let's talk Barbie. Barbie uh, is, first of all, killing at the box office uh, over, uh, I believe it's 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 past a uh, billion dollars. It's at uh, 1.2 billion right now in the global box office. It looks like only Barbie and Super Mario Brothers will be the only two films of 2023 to pass that $1 billion mark. Um, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Let's, let's hear it for pre-existing IP. Uh, Oppenheimer is doing very well as well at $650 million. These movies have done substantially better than any Marvel or, or DC movie this year. Substantially better than uh, Mission Impossible 27 or whatever number it was. Uh, uh, much better uh, than Fast and the Furious X much better than Indiana Jones 12. Uh, you know, some people are, are are done with sequels and appreciate new movies, even if it is uh, not new IP. Barbie is a movie directed by Greta Gerwig. Uh, let's go Barnard. And uh, from a screenplay that she That's wrote. Right. Also uh, roommates, I think, or sweetmates with Kate McKinnon, who also went uh, uh, at the same time as you and me. I don't know if we ever crossed paths with them when we were there. With Kate McKinnon, I did, but not with Greta Gerwig. Uh, I remember Kate McKinnon from Prank's Group at uh, at Columbia <laughs> Barnard, yes. but I never, but I never actually met her. Uh, Jenny Slate, who was also in that um, cohort, uh, I uh, crossed paths with uh, in in the improv world at uh, at Columbia. At Columbia, uh, she co-wrote this with with her partner Noah Baumbach, and it, it's a it's a satire of Barbie. It takes place in Barbie Land, where stereotypical Barbie. <clears throat> Uh, played by Margot Robbie. Uh, it lives in this patriarch, uh, this sorry matriarchal society uh, where Barbies are are rule and everything uh, is great and pink and perfect and all every Barbie uh, is happy and loves other Barbies and all the jobs of all the Kens besides Beach uh, is to serve the Barbies uh, and then. The stereotypical Barbie, Margot Robbie's character, uh, has an existential crisis uh, that 
uh, she just throws out there, has anybody ever thought about death? Right. And then all of a sudden she's concerned that she has bad breath that she's getting cellulite, that her feet uh, are flat on the ground and not in heels. And so she decides to travel to the real world to figure out what's going on. And it turns out that the real world is not so great. Uh, she had thought that Barbie land because of the success of Barbie and the Barbie toys for young women, that there is president Barbie and Dr. Barbie and astronaut Barbie and helping young women and girls believe that they could be anything and everything they want to be, that they had dismantled the patriarchy, but the patriarchy is alive and well. Meanwhile, Ken, uh, who came with Barbie, uh, even though Barbie has no interest in in, in Ken. He, he's like a little lap dog, played brilliantly by Ryan Gosling, um, uh, is introduced to the idea of the patriarchy uh, and loves it, loves this idea that men could be in power. And so he returns back to Barbie land. And when Barbie comes back with peer pressure and influence and, and pushing from uh, Will Ferrell and the Mattel uh, corporate board, uh, she realizes that the Barbie dream house is no more. It is now Ken's uh, mojo dojo uh what, what is it? Casa is it, House. Uh, Mojo Casa, Mojo 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 House. Casa House. Um, and um, the bar Barbies are, are no longer in, in a position of power. Um, it ends up taking America Ferrara's character, who uh, is uh, Sasha's mother, um, to realize that her having a midlife crisis as a, a working mom struggling to find joy and happiness and life uh, playing with Sasha's old Barbies is what caused stereotypical Barbie to start asking these questions. And it is uh, a speech that she gives at the end of the movie that really wakes up all the other Barbies to the struggles uh, of women. And they end up using their uh, smarts, and um, the men's attraction to them to win back control of Barbie land. And um, in the end, Barbie decides she wants to be a real girl like Pinocchio. She wants to live in the real world uh, and she becomes real and goes back to the real world. The plot that I just said, I fully understand and acknowledge, sounds crazy and ridiculous uh, and, and makes no sense. Uh it is a silly movie with undertones uh, of, uh, I think, brilliant um, social commentary that it is trying to teach. Um, I saw it, uh, as you say, you saw it with your daughter, I saw it with my daughter. Um, I understand and acknowledge that we are two men talking about this movie, which talks about uh, the the patriarchal nature of the society that we live in. Um, it, it, it's, you know understanding and acknowledging that I live in a society where by default I have male privilege. Uh, it was hard to hear my 12 year old daughter hearing some of these things and knowing that this is the world that she is growing up in where no matter what uh, life will be a struggle at times and she'll be judged at times uh, unfairly uh, because of the patriarchal nature of society. Uh, but this movie is um, really, I, I think, uh, connecting with people on a special level, not just the dressing up in, in pink and going to see Barbie. Uh, it, it's about embracing um, the the fashion and flamboyance, right? The, the, the Barbie animated movies were really just about sort of making fun of uh, how, how picturesque Malibu was for, for Barbie and her friends. Wait, hold but up, I, hold up. There were Barbie animated movies? Oh, lots of them. Um, but 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 not, that's not what this is about at all, right? This is really saying, be who you want to be. You want to wear pink, wear pink. You want to, you know, uh, wear heels all the time, wear heels all the time, but you shouldn't do it because somebody else uh, watched it. You shouldn't do it because you feel like you have to fit in a box to meet somebody else's uh, agenda or perception or expectation of you, uh, but really you should you should be yourself. Hmm. All right, we're going to get into all that in, let, in a minute. Let me now. Let me, uh, if that was a little bit too much joy for you, let's let's bring it down a notch and talk about Oppenheimer. In full disclosure, uh, I had seen Oppenheimer first, uh, and Jesse had seen Barbie first, and I wasn't sure if I was going to get to see Barbie before we recorded, and Jesse wasn't sure if he was going to get to see Oppenheimer before we recorded, and I was like, you know what? 
let's just end up talking about them both because this is very on brand that I would go and see the, you know, the, the end of the world. Uh, and Jesse would, uh, would go to see uh, shiny, happy people. That is true. Uh, that is true. Uh, but, uh, uh, but I, I loved Oppenheimer. I thought it was great. Uh, and, and, and there's a lot to talk about there, but, uh, but in short, the Oppenheimer tells the story uh, of, uh, of the scientist J. Robert Oppenheimer, uh, who was, uh, uh, was a nuclear physicist uh, and uh, engaged by uh, the U.S. government uh, to uh, lead a team in the development of the world's first uh, nuclear weapon, uh, which uh, he uh, does in uh, Los Alamos, New Mexico, uh, and uh, uh, and uh, ends up developing uh, the first uh, atomic bomb uh, that is uh, dropped uh, ultimately on uh, Hiroshima. Uh, Japan in 1945, uh, followed closely uh, uh, by uh, a second bomb that's dropped on Nagasaki, uh, in uh, um, which ultimately uh, leads to the the end of World War II. Although the movie uh, points out that the that the war had essentially already been won before the first bomb was dropped in in Hiroshima, um, so it wrestles with the questions of uh, you know uh, should the bombs have been uh, dropped? Uh, it, it it shows. Uh, Oppenheimer's uh, struggle both with the uh, with with being a, a, a leading voice in uh, rushing to develop the weapon and then also a leading voice in criticizing the use of the weapon uh, uh, after the fact. Um, so it, it it wrestles with this sort of existential crisis uh, that uh, that Oppenheimer uh, engages with uh, the way in which uh, the, uh, the 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 government that. Uh, uh, empowered and emboldened and furthered his work, uh, ended up turning on him, especially once he began to speak out against the use of the uh, weapon in, uh, after uh, after it was uh, after it was used, uh, and raises these questions of the the morality of scientific progress, uh, the morality of the use of these kinds of weapons uh, in war, uh, our our relationship with the the government. You know what what kept on coming to mind was the. Uh, a passage in, in Pirkei Avot saying, you know, beware the government because they will befriend you when it when it serves their interests, uh, but won't hesitate turning uh, on you or not standing by you in your hour of need. Uh, and that was very present in the movie. Uh, Oppenheimer, uh, of course, is a, a, a Jewish man. Uh, his Jewishness was uh, very present in the movie. Uh, it's it uh, is presented as one of his motivations uh, for wanting to develop the weapon when it looked like it was a race against the Nazis uh, to develop the uh, first nuclear weapon. Uh, ultimately, that was not uh, the the race. It, the war had already basically been won in Europe, um, and then was uh, was was coming to its conclusion in the Pacific. Uh, and that was uh, as the movie shows. Uh, uh, the maybe the maybe the turning point in in Oppenheimer's uh, view of the use of the weapon when it was not being used against the Nazis. Uh, Oppenheimer's played, I think, in a brilliant performance uh, by is it Cillian or Killian Murphy? I, I believe it's Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy, uh, who is a a longtime collaborator of the film's director Christopher Nolan. Uh, uh, Killian Murphy appears in in each of the installments of the Dark Knight trilogy uh, and other in other uh, films that uh, that uh, Christopher Nolan has has directed. Uh, this is uh, Christopher Nolan's possibly his magnum opus, uh, as many people are, are saying. Uh, I would not be surprised if we'll be hearing more about Oppenheimer come awards season, maybe Barbie too. Uh, but uh, of course, very different in tone. Uh, the, the movie is uh, based on um, a book about Oppenheimer called American Prometheus and kind of follows this idea that uh, that Prometheus steals fire from the gods uh, to give to uh, uh, human beings, but then is is tormented because of it, is punished because of it. And that is the case of Oppenheimer. He, he sort of steals fire from the gods uh, and unleashes it on, on in the world. And as uh, he has a relationship with Albert Einstein that is presented in, in the movie, um, uh, he has a relationship with uh, with with uh, the U.S. government portrayed in different ways uh, by Robert Downey Jr., uh, who is uh, part of a sort of a narrative device in the movie um, of uh, being the person who uh, lifts Oppenheimer to prominence, but then wants to tear him down, especially when it uh, conflicts with his own uh, uh, professional ambitions. Uh, great performance by Robert Downey Jr. Great performance by Matt Damon, uh, who is the uh, military uh, general who leads the project at, at Los Alamos, the Manhattan Project to develop bomb. Uh, 
Uh, great performances, I think, all around. Great performances by uh, Emily Blunt as uh, as Oppenheimer's uh, wife. Uh, that is more than just uh, you know what you often get in these biopics of uh, you know the the woman who just kind of stands by her brilliant man. Uh, she has a lot more agency in here. A great performance by Florence Pugh uh, as a, as another woman in in Oppenheimer's life um, uh, that uh, that that uh, furthers uh, that this uh, narrative and this story and this this really sort of emotional moral conflict that Oppenheimer has. So let's actually jump into Oppenheimer. Uh, for for a moment, uh, because I, I think that that um, you know th this is the one I think that has uh, maybe more obvious uh, moral, ethical Jewish themes that play out in it. I mentioned you know our the, how how Judaism has a very complicated uh, uh, sentiment about our relationship with uh, with with the government, uh, relationship with the powers that be. You know, we're, we're entering into the High Holy Day season uh, where we where we repeatedly uh, pray for God uh, to to avir memshelat zadon min haaretz to 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 wipe away uh, the arrogant kingdom from the world. We pray for God to uh, inaugurate uh, uh, you know malchut shaddai, the, the the kingship of of the sovereignty of of, of shaddai, the sovereignty of, of the divine. Um, we, 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 you know, we talk about universal redemption uh, and, and the, the inauguration of a peaceful world. And this movie wrestles with the question of, you know, do we need to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to slaughter tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of innocents uh, in order to achieve peace, right? And that's the question kind of at the heart of, of the nuclear weapon. You know, even the first bomb that's dropped on Hiroshima uh, is a question of, you know, uh, did this bomb need to be dropped in order to end the war? Are there there are people who argue that yes, it did. Uh, the second bomb that was dropped in Nagasaki even more controversial uh, because by then for sure the war had been won and the you know the it gets raised in the movie right uh, uh, you know uh, did we need to drop the second bomb on Nagasaki? Well, we need to drop the first bomb to show that there's this power that that the Americans possess and the second bomb to show that we can keep doing it. We can keep using it. It wasn't just a fluke, right? That we that we have it. Another argument that's made is that it wasn't a bomb. The second bomb wasn't the, the wasn't really a, 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 um, the second bomb of World War II, but the first bomb of the Cold War, right? To show the Soviets, right, that we that we actually possess this power uh, and uh, and that they would do well not to uh, turn on who were their allies in in World War II. Um, but it what what's the morality of that, right? Uh, which, as we all know provokes an arms race with the Soviets, uh, a nuclear arms race with the Soviets that has almost catastrophic consequences during the course of the uh, of the Cold War. Uh, we are still in a nuclear era uh, right now where where we you know fear the you know nuclear prol proliferation in Iran and in, in North, North Korea. Korea. Um, uh, and uh, that idea is brought up in the movie uh, of, you know, there's uh, the the theory of of of, uh, of of nuclear fission, they don't know until they actually test the bomb. Like, could we have dropped a bomb that starts a chain reaction that would destroy the whole world with just the explosion of that one bomb? And Albert Einstein uh, uh, asks Oppenheimer, "It's like maybe you did, right? We we don't know. It's like it didn't with specifically with that bomb, but we know that the that the ramifications of dropping that bomb." Did spark in some ways a chain reaction of prolifer proliferation uh, and uh, and nuclear arms racing um, that we may never get out of um, as as a as as a planet. So it raises all these really difficult, profound questions, including you know the uh, the, the the importance of scientific progress, um, uh, but also the importance of asking the question of whether uh, whether the progress. Uh, ought to be made. Uh, we were watching Jurassic Park, uh, it's 30th anniversary of Jurassic Park, right? And uh, Jeff Goldblum's character, Ian Malcolm, uh, says, you know, the arrogance of Jurassic Park is that you, you know, uh, were preoccupied with the question of whether you could do this, but no one ever stopped to ask the question of whether you should do this. And that, I think, was really at the heart of uh, of, of Oppenheimer as well, and and I think is a really profoundly Jewish question uh, too. I, I don't know. What do you think, Jesse? You know, uh, I don't want to deny the uh, prevalence of war in 
Torah, right? So much of Torah is at war. So much, you know, we could talk about promised land uh, all we want, but there's an acknowledgement that in the books of the prophets, right, we are uh, entering the land of Israel that is already inhabited by different nations and, and are going to war to to conquer that land, even if it's a land that Torah tells us is promised to us by God. And yet so much of rabbinic literature um, focuses on peace and not war, that we should do what, whatever we can to avoid that. We are told that we should be disciples like Aaron, uh, who ohev shalom v'rodev shalom, right? who love peace and, and, and pursue peace, um, that uh, you are actually prohibited from wearing a sword on Shabbat, part of your garment, even if you wear it, because uh, there's a question of whether or not you could carry something and, and uh, these ornamental weapons that would be customary for a soldier to wear um, should not be worn on Shabbat, Halakha says, because it's antithetical to what Shabbat is um, and, and to the idea of the world to come that Shabbat gives us a, a taste of. Uh, and uh, while we acknowledge war may be a reality, um, it should always be the the last um resort and I, I think you're spot on what the nature of what uh this film depicts is a forever changing reality of what war is right that war is something that went from uh terrible battles you know you, you look at american history and why why do we learn about gettysburg because Gettysburg was the deadliest battle in the Civil War. Uh, but all those who died in Gettysburg were soldiers, whether they were forced into battle or not, uh, they, 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 whether they believed in the cause they were fighting for or not, they were soldiers. What dropping bombs like this did um, was it, it made it acceptable to uh, increase the collateral damage and condoned the murder of not just those who we were at war with, but innocent victims of war. And we could say that there's no such thing as innocent victims. People are bystanders. If they do not stand up to uh, dictators and tyrannical rule and, and that sort of thing, uh, but it substantially increased the uh, death factor in war. And I think, Mike, you're absolutely right that War, and I would say the world as it's as a whole has never been the same. You're right that the Cold War consumed, and I would even argue even after the Cold War, it's still there. there there's a sort of subconscious Cold War between um, the, the world powers that continue to exist and continue to consume us. A constant fear: if we do anything or say anything, it will cause nuclear war, and and that will be the end. Uh, of everything uh, and what happens right once you build that first nuclear bomb or or or, or uh what, what did w call it a nuclear bomb nuclear nuclear, nuclear, nuclear bomb yeah. then, 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 then you, you can't uh you can't put that away right once you invent something the only thing you can do to protect us from a country having a deadly weapon of mass destruction is to invent an even deadlier weapon of mass destruction. Uh, and, and it's this collision course towards more war, more death, nothing, uh, uh, none of it that, that leads to peace. Now, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel uh, would teach that, uh, who was very much uh, a, a pacifist, an anti-war activist. He spoke out time and time again against the Vietnam War. Um, but he said that without experiencing the the travesties of war, then we don't understand the need and appreciate the need for peace. Um, real peace, not a, a cold peace, you know, a, a treaty or waving the white flag because bombs were dropped, as you said, arguably, uh, especially the, the, the second uh, of the bombs that were dropped to end World War II uh, wasn't needed maybe even the first one that the war was, was concluding anyway. It was meant to show America's strength and power in that moment uh, and the Allied Forces' strength and power in that moment. Um, but uh, once you experience that, you understand the need for real peace. Uh, and 
uh, the the murder of so many because of war, I think never leads to peace. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really uh, difficult question. I mean, one of the things that the that the movie raises, of course, is uh, you know, if, if it were true, right, that the Nazis were uh, close to the development of a of a nuclear bomb that they you know could have plausibly used, whatever, I you know, against you know, dr- they could have dropped their own bomb, on, a nuclear bomb on Auschwitz, right, or 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 anybody and kill, killed had a much more efficient way of killing, you know, many more uh, hundreds of thousands of or tens of thousands of, of of Jews or dropped a bomb on the United States, right? I, any other uh, uh, method to to attain, you know, the, the, the Nazi objectives in the war, um, is it then uh, a, a moral imperative to develop a weapon that could counter uh, their, you know, their possibility, right? So the, there is a real politic of, of this that I think is, is complicated right is that, that if, if 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 a really evil enemy is developing you know uh, this kind of weapon um is there not some kind of moral obligation to create something that could deter or to counter the use of that weapon um uh but uh but but i think you're right i mean i think that there's there's another name of course for a, a weapon that is uh dropped on a population uh filled with uh, civilians uh, in order to further a, uh, you know, a political objective, you know, which is essentially the the, the objective of, of the conclusion of a war. Um, and that is terrorism. Yeah. Right. Um, and 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 Jewish, I, I think that Jewish tradition would make a strong case um, that, you know, even insofar as war might sometimes be uh, morally uh, uh, necessary and, and acceptable, um, that the use of nuclear weapons never is uh, because, uh, you know, that that you know, even though you're right, war is prevalent in Torah, um, the, the targeting of civilians um, is definitively not. Uh, um, uh, even even uh, the uh, sieges of cities, which, which essentially do target civilians, um, have a, a lot of restrictions, uh, even within the Torah itself. And then, of course, in later rabbinic tradition, uh, uh, limiting the... the um, uh, the morality of sieges. Uh, Deuteronomy. Uh, we're, we're going to read this uh, very soon in in uh, the weekly Torah cycle. That uh, that you can't even destroy a tree uh, when you make war against a city unnecessarily, right? So I mean, when you drop a nuclear weapon on on uh, on a city, you destroy not only whatever military target you intend to destroy, but also hundreds of thousands of people. I, I, and, and you're right, Jesse. I think that you know. I, I agree. I think Judaism would say, in the words of Heschel, that you know that that uh, some are guilty, all are responsible. Right. Um, but I'm not positive that every civilian in Nagasaki is morally responsible for the crimes of the of of the regime. Right? There, no, I'm not sure, not at all. Not, right? not, I'm right? sure that in the hundred thousand people who died in Nagasaki, there were people who uh, opposed the 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 regime right who maybe uh resisted the regime right who uh who who did what they could to uh support you know the cause of those who were fighting against the regime right so but the problem with the nuclear bomb is that it's totally indiscriminate right and you you uh um whether whether people are innocent or guilty bystanders upstanders whatever it is it kills all of them um and i think that 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 jewish tradition would would make a very strong case um that 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 that's never an acceptable uh usage in war and i think i think that it's possible right i mean you know the um the us could plausibly have detonated the uh the 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 bomb at the trinity site and had video of it and sent it to the Japanese and said, said like, this is the weapon we now possess. Surrender now. Right. And never have had to drop it on anybody. I don't know. Right. I'm not a, I'm not a. Because uh, uh, in uh, some ways, right, the, the threat of using uh, an atomic bomb, a threat of using a nuclear weapon is, is more what you want than actually using the weapon itself. Right. Because you 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 develop that weapon, as you said, right? If there's a fear that the that the Nazis are, are developing this weapon of mass destruction, you develop that weapon to make sure others don't use a potential similar weapon or develop this similar weapon against you. That's right. That's right. So, and I think that that's you know that's 
the the theory behind nuclear proliferation is deterrence, right? And is uh, but but that's that's of course not what happens in uh, in in, uh, in 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 our own history. Uh, and you know the the U.S. now lives with the distinction of being you know the only uh, nation that's ever used a nuclear weapon uh, in in warfare. Uh, a, a, stain, a stain on on our history. A stain on our history. Um, and that 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 the U.S. has never really uh, uh, held itself or been held to account for, right? So you know we we tried the Nazis at uh, Nuremberg for their war crimes, but there's never been you know a, a, a justice accountability. The closest that I think we've ever come is is uh, President Obama uh, went to uh, Hiroshima um, and and you know touched on the acknowledgement of the moral, you know, morally complicated nature of, uh, of, of that, uh, of that dynamic. But I guess the, and I, the, the question that the movie raises is like, what, um, what responsibility does, does Oppenheimer himself have here? Right. So we have this in, in, you know, some are guilty, all are responsible. The movie raises this question of, well, you know, uh, uh, Truman is guilty of dropping the bombs, right? He even says it himself, like, like, you know, you didn't drop the bombs. You just developed them. I dropped them. I'm responsible, right? Um, but what what culpability does does Oppenheimer have? Could you say that if it wasn't him, it would have been someone else, right? Or or does he or or, or is that okay? So it would have been someone else, but not me. At least not me. Yeah, I, I, that goes to uh, right. That begs the question, what do we do with the knowledge that we possess, right? Is it worth creating something um, because we're able to, um, if we know it may cause harm? And if it's not us, then will somebody else just create the same exact thing? Uh, right, That that's ultimately the, the, the question. Um, and I would say, looking back, if we knew then what we know now, would we have still gone to great lengths to to do just that? Mm. Um, and, and and I don't have a, a great answer. Yeah, you know, the, I mean, the, the the movie I think really uh, uh, deserves the its reputation, you know, and and uh, and why it was you know, such a, a, a powerful counterbalance in Barbenheimer weekend uh, to, uh, uh, to to Barbie because it, it is really bleak, right? It, it it does give off the sense that like, well, listen, if it wasn't Oppenheimer, it would have been someone else. Um, if it, you know, uh, if it wasn't the U.S. dropping the bomb, it would have been someone else, right? That the, these things are, are, are you know, somewhat inevitable uh, that, uh, that, that no matter what, the the government was going to do what it wanted to do and then you know and then and then sell out anybody who ever tried to oppose it uh or or raise up objections um and uh, it does i think present a, a pretty uh a bleak picture uh of the you know sort of the inevitability of of these kinds of uh, uh tragedies and, and atrocities um uh and you know the way in which we all play a role in in them, and um, and and can be used and abused uh, in in playing a role in them, uh, uh, manipulated uh, into right. into playing a role in them. Um, uh, you know, really, really, I think uh, uh, powerful personal and and uh, national questions that it raises. I think just in time to be thinking about this uh, for the uh, uh, for the for the high holidays. Um, but now that we've raised up. The counterpoint of, uh, of of Oppenheimer, if it is even a counterpoint, it may be uh, uh, just as bleak a picture of the world, but presented in bright pink colors. So let's talk about Barbie. Let's talk about the the Jewishness of of the of the Barbie of of it all. Because because nothing uh, speaks Elul like uh, like Barbie. Uh, hi Barbie. <laughs> hi Barbie. Um, you know. Just just to throw out there and acknowledge the Jewish roots of Barbie, uh, not just the movie, but but Barbie the the toy, uh, right? That um, Ruth Handler, the the creator of Barbie, is portrayed in this movie um, by uh, uh, Rhea Perlman, and um, Ruth Handler herself, um, who created the doll, is 
a Jewish uh, made it made in a Moskowitz is the Jewish daughter of two Polish immigrants. Um, and when she was introduced to dolls as a kid, right, they were baby dolls. Um, and so when she wanted to create something that wasn't a baby doll, she didn't want right because to play with a baby doll, meaning that you are playing the role of mother, of housewife, of homemaker, that sort of thing. She wanted to create a doll. Uh, and this, I think, comes from the immigrant experience that was about opportunity. Right? We talk about Barbie being, you know, wearing flashy clothes and having a flashy car and that sort of thing. Uh, but what she really was meant to be was more than just this sort of like blonde bombshell. She was meant to to, to signify success, be a career woman. She was a strong woman, um, not just a, 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 a wife, not just mm -hmm. a mother. Um, and Barbie really did exactly that. Mattel did exactly that. To their credit, we could talk about the capitalism of it all, which the movie really pokes fun at. I was actually surprised that Mattel was willing to, to play along. But right, they introduced an astronaut Barbie 20 years before a woman went into space. They introduced a Barbie president in 1992. Uh, so uh, I, I think the idea that Barbie, even in the patriarchal society that we live in, is meant to inspire uh, uh, of what can be, even if we acknowledge the reality that that is not what is. Yeah, that's right. That's that's really interesting. Um, you know, there there is, a, a, I think, a, a sense in the movie. Right. And that's that's kind of, you know, what what uh, what it ultimately uh, comes down to that that, you know, uh, Barbie was you know, meant to be aspirational, not necessarily in terms of, you know, physical appearance, but in terms of, you know, the, the uh, you know, what, what women uh, could be. And I think that the challenge of that, and this is again, you know, it's, uh, why it's in some ways a, a good parallel to Oppenheimer is that you, you've created this thing and it has an, an existence of its own, right? So what, what it ends up doing is both uh, opening up you know, possibilities and avenues uh, for, for women to imagine themselves as being anything that they want, and also holding up a standard of, uh, you know, image and beauty uh, that that women, you know, believe that is is, is what they are, they, they ought to be aspiring to, right? That this is, you know, what a stereotypical beautiful woman looks like is Margot Robbie, right? Uh, or, or, or the original Barbie doll. And, um, and by, by the way, right, the movie even pokes fun at that when I, I believe it's Hella, Helen Mirren, who's the narrator of the film, right. uh, call, like calls out midway through. It's like, if this is the point you want to make, right. don't, you don't, don't cast, cast Margot, Margot Robbie. Robbie. You know, so, but the movie actually does that on a couple of occasions, right? It makes these kind of winky. This is what didn't work about the movie uh, uh, for me is it makes these sort of winky jokes um, uh, that, that, you know, say like, we're, we're in on this joke too, right? But yet it utilizes those jokes. Like it wants to have its cake and eat it too. It wants to say that like, we don't agree with this point that we're, or the way that we're making this point um, it does it when, you know, Will Ferrell at the end of the movie, uh, is, you know, it says like, you know, we're not going to make reality Barbie. That's never going to sell. And then one of his underlings is like, oh, actually it's going to sell a lot. And he's like, then we're going to do it. You know, um, it, it was this, I, it was well, this there, there, there's, there's truth to all humor, right? So that, that, right. It's, that satire is meant that there are certain things in reality that are quite disturbing. And so the only thing uh, we we may know how to do is laugh. Uh, right. As an aside, uh, having nothing to do with Barbie, our, our congregation just saw the the uh, Broadway one man show of Just for Us, Alex Edelman's comedy show, which is hysterical about uh, his uh, struggle with uh, as a, a Jew coming from a an observant Jewish family, uh, confronting white nationalists and anti semitism. And I thought, you know, it's a choice with rising anti-Semitism to really talk about that in the form of a 90 minute comedy performance. But sometimes if we focus on how disturbing uh, and depressing something is that then we just sit there and, and sulk. But the idea that instead can laugh about it uh, is, is an important life lesson, right? That, I acknowledge, as we said at the beginning, that we are two men who live in a world and in a society full of, of male privilege. Um, 
I, I think if, 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 you know, the, 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 the sort of uh, right in society are talking about the wokeism of this film. Uh, and yet I think what the, the humor in this film does uh, even with the, the, the wink and nod is it introduces the concepts to a lot of people who would otherwise say there's patriarchy doesn't exist. I don't have any male privilege. I work hard to get to where I am, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there's this, there is this other, you know, winky joke uh, uh, earlier in the movie where Ryan Gosling is in the real world or Ken is in the real world. And, uh, and, and he, you know, is looking for a job and he, you know, uh, he goes to this, you know, uh, potential employer and the employer is like, you know, do you have a college degree? No. Do you have a you know, master's degree? No. Do you have a high school degree? No. Uh, what do you, what do you do? I, what do you know how to do? I beach. I beach. Right? Uh, uh, and, and he said, you know, well, then we can't, we can't hire you or you have no credentials. And he says, but you know, but I'm a man. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and the guy says, yeah, but that's, that's, that's not enough. Actually in, in this day and age, um, it's actually a, a, a detriment. Um, he's like, oh, so there's no more patriarchy. Uh, and the guy's like, yeah, there is. We just have to be more subtle about it. Right. You know, um, uh, listen, I think, th but that was one of the things that, that, that was challenging to me about it is that, you know, in the end, right. Um, that patriarchy still exists in the real world. Uh, and, uh, and and the Kens get off pretty easily in Barbie World too, um, such that like they try to overturn things and make Barbie World a patriarchy, um, a really you know humorous comedic version of patriarchy that shows how silly patriarchy actually is. Sure. In the end, um, they, they 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 become like quote unquote bros. Yeah, in the end, they get kind of empowered even in in Barbie World. Like they they don't you know kind of reset the table. So I guess what it, the movie is showing is that the ideal would be not a matriarchy per se, but something closer to um, uh, equality, right? Um, and uh, you know, and so the, the the solution there is to make is to make a matriarchy, you know, minus, right, where where there's a little bit more equality for the for the Kens. Um, but I, I I don't know. Part of me feels like the Kens got off too easily, and part of me feels like the whole. Um, the, the whole solution was almost too easy with with essentially, you know, um, uh, being woke, being the solution, right? The solution is America Ferreira reprogramming all the Barbies by giving them this really empowering, uh, uh, you know, uh, feminist speech about how hard it is to, uh, uh, how impossible it is to be a woman. Uh, and that wakes them up and realizing that they're, that they're, you know, stuck in this, you know, patriarchal nightmare. Um, but can, I, can, I, can I can I read that that speech real quick? I want to acknowledge that that speech. Can I just finish the thought for one second? That um uh, that I, I it's not that I think that being woke is a problem. I certainly I think that that you know the, this whole you know backlash against wokeism, whatever that phrase is supposed to mean, is 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 ridiculous and is really the empire striking back, is patriarchy striking back. I just don't think that wokeism is sufficient. I don't think that being woke is sufficient, right? So just being conscious of the problem is not sufficient to resolve the problem. And that's that I think is is what the movie is presenting that felt to me not enough. Uh listen, I I I agree with you. Um I don't think the movie's task uh was to solve the problem. Because what it, what it was doing was acknowledging that this is not well, a make-believe problem. It's supposed to solve the internal problem to the movie, right? And I don't think that it that it felt way too easy. It felt like but it that, felt like but, this, this awakening a, was like an atomic bomb that it dropped, but it but, wasn't. But that's an that's bomb. that's a satire, I think, of it all, right? What the movie's really trying to do is exactly what America Ferrera says, right? She says in her her speech about how difficult it is to be a woman. She says you have to be thin, but not too thin. Can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy but also you have to be thin you have to have money but you can't ask for money because that's crass you have to be a boss but you can't be mean you have to lead but you can't squash other people's ideas you're supposed to love being a mother but don't talk about your kids all the damn time you have to be a career woman but also always be looking out for other people you have to answer for men's bad behavior which is insane but you if you point it out then you're accused of complaining 
You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be part of the quote unquote sisterhood. But always stand out and always be grateful, but never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that you also are always that that you are always grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. Turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. The point, I think, and again, I say this acknowledging my male privilege. The point, I think, is that life is a struggle and it's just acknowledging that struggle that it's it's impossible to to be a, a woman in a society we talk about advancements of women but that society still exists right you you see um how quickly when hillary clinton was the democratic nominee for president um the the first time a major party's nominee was a woman how quickly the campaigning became so sexist. Uh, it wasn't about her ideas, but it was about her as a, wo a woman. It, it became actually offensive and crude in the language uh, in, in the that 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 was talked about. Um, a sexual assault and, and rape towards her by by some of uh, the opposition's supporters. Um, and, and I think that is part of. The, the reality that that is going on. You know, we talk about it in Judaism that, right, we are an egalitarian community. Um, but sexism and discrimination against women in an egalitarian community is still very much real. Uh, both of us have clergy partners that, that are women, and, and it's still very much real. Uh, I know that they experience that in our egalitarian communities, uh, because I, I and I would just add, I think what this movie does very well is it acknowledges new wave feminism versus second wave feminism, right? Second wave feminism was feminism and egalitarian is women doing exactly what men do and acting exactly like men. Um, and I think in the Jewish community as well, that was what, what it was. It was like, wear a kippah, wear a talit, you know, do that. Um, but I think New Wave's feminism is is acknowledging the, the um, inequality and inequity and um, saying that we are going to be our own selves and we don't need anybody else's approval to do that. We are concerned with our own happiness and are not going to judge ourselves based on what other people think of us. Yeah, I, I just, I, I mean, I, there's almost nothing that you're saying that I, that I disagree with. Um, uh, the only thing that didn't work for me about the satire is that, um, is, is that the the solution was uh, was was too simplistic, right? The, the, that that the, that the satire, uh, uh, like, if, if the message the message is. Uh, that uh, that you know that uh, the patriarchy can be overturned. All it takes is people to become aware of the ways in which the patriarchy is functioning, or for women especially to become aware of right. Of the but, way but but that in and of itself is satire, right? That is the satire. No, I don't. I don't agree. I, I don't think that that was the satire. I think that that was the message. No, um, I mean yes. You you have to make people more aware. But to suggest that, okay, we we talk about the problem, and so now the problem is going to change, that's a satire because the movie ends with America Ferreira saying that no matter what, I as a woman, I as a mother can't do anything right. But that's not how the movie ends. The movie ends with that speech affecting a radical change in, in Barbie land and everybody living happily ever after. That's not... <laughs> that, that that's that's the, the, in other words like the, the the message of the satire was that the problem is actually easy to solve that's that's how it registered to me no because and we don't live in barbie land we live in the real world i i understand but the but uh first of all i also don't understand the like physics of uh of the relationship between barbie land and the real world in in this movie but um uh, well but, you have to get put back in your 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 cellophane uh, you know, encasing in your plastic container, and then you get shipped back. I guess. Okay. The, um, it it it's it seemed to me that the that the that the message of the satire, right? Because all because because the 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 satire is 
you know, is is uh, is is looking essentially at a funhouse mirror version of of the world to make a humorous point about the about the world that we live in. And it seemed to me that the point that the movie was trying to make was that solving the issue of patriarchy is actually simple. And the simple solution is for people to become aware of the ways in which patriarchy is functioning, especially for women to become aware of the ways in which patriarchy is functioning, including the ways in which it forces women to, 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 uh, to, uh, to be in conflict with when, with one another and to put each other down. And I think that it, it, um, it, uh, it, it didn't work for me ultimately uh, because the solution was A, too simplistic and B, didn't ask anything of the of the men in the uh, in in the story uh, and uh, and uh, and and uh, not not only didn't ask anything of them, but I think you know what ultimately like as a as a as a film as a narrative, like I actually think that like Ken had the had the the had the real arc of, in the story and not Barbie. Like in in some ways it was. Ken's movie and not Barbie's movie. Um, and, and that, and that was problematic for me too. Like it didn't ask anything of the men, like they, they reestablished, uh, uh, you know, barbemacy, barb, barb, barb premacy, uh, by, uh, by tricking the Kens. And, and like, I, 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 it, it, it strikes me that like that, that the, uh, that the challenge of patriarchy, um, is that the, is that, uh, men have to be uh, 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 brought into uh, the the brought into the solution of dismantling it, and that's not what happened in the movie. And so ultimately, you have um, uh, you have you know patriarchy, at least not in Barbie world, but is left somewhat intact. And really, what's what wins uh, by and large is capitalism, uh, because you know Mattel it comes out on top. It both in the world of the movie and in the and in the real world where this you know this this uh this you know anti-capitalist uh anti-patriarchal uh crusade you know essentially doesn't ask anything of the audience um and doesn't ask anything of the corporation that's sponsoring the that's sponsoring the movie right and that to me uh undercuts the the entire moral message of the movie yeah i will say that satire and capitalism is a part i will say part of the message is that men are the worst because they are, um, you know, in, in some ways, I think that the, the, the satire of um, it's, it's not this one speech that sort of deprograms the Barbies, but it's that how the Barbies um, take advantage of the Ken's as the, their partners. Um, I mean, it almost reminds me a little bit of the book of Esther, Right, that 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 Esther. Oh, right. So everything, right, and in the book of Esther, the same thing. Right, everything is overturned, and yet nothing changes. Right, but I I do think that 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 part of the satire is not that this is a happily ever after. We could say it's a happily ever after for for Barbie Land, but the movie starts having us think that there's happily ever after in Barbie Land, and then it turns out that if that's not the reality of the real world, real worlds, then that is what keeps stereotypical Barbie Margot Robbie's character up at night and so disturbed. Yeah, it's 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 tricky and it's and it's complicated. You know, so so what 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 do you take as the as the Jewish message of, of all this? Just what, what, one one yeah. thing that I'll add the the actually the character that I had the, the biggest problem with um uh was um well I I loved Kate McKinnon um as a weird Barbie and the idea that like my own kids, right. You, you, you cut the hair of the Barbie, you dress them up as you want and do this sort of thing. You're talking about capitalism. Mattel is now selling a quote unquote weird Barbie yeah. based on Kate McKinnon's <laughs> character, where the whole point of that character was, no, that's what kids did, right? We make them our own. That's what we do with, with toys and dolls and action figures. Um, I also loved the John Cena merman. Ken, yeah. uh, that, 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 that was that was great. Um, no, listen, they're, they're, you know, great, hilarious performances. I mean, I, there was a lot to love about this movie and I, I enjoyed it. I really, really did. Um, it, I just left kind of unsettled uh, by, um, uh, uh, but not by, uh, uh, by, by what seemed to me to be shallowness masquerading 
as depth. And, and, uh, and, and that, that to me ultimately was what, uh, what didn't work for me. I still enjoyed it. I think that there was a lot to, to think I'm still thinking about the movie, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's it certainly to me, not without, uh, it's, it's merits and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's provocative. Uh, I just, uh, I just think it didn't quite work in the way that the filmmakers wanted it to work. Um, and there's one other thing I want to say about it, which is, uh, something that it doesn't really delve into at all, especially for a movie that that uh, uh, has a black female president in, in Issa Rae's uh, President Barbie, um, is that they don't really explore at all the intersection of uh, of, of race, class, and gender uh, that is uh, that that is uh, really present in the kind of you know a capitalist patriarchal system that that we have, um, and I think that that is a blind spot of the movie and of the filmmakers um, that, uh, that, you know, if you are a, uh, if you are a black woman, you know, you aren't just black plus female, you are, you are black times female. And if you're, you know, uh, below, you know, below middle class, right. You're uh, black times female times uh, uh, poor as well, right? So it's not it's not addition, it's multiplication, and the film does not really explore or unpack that, and and I think that that's a a real blind spot of of the of, of the movie. That's that's fair. Um, you, you asked what I think the the Jewish me- the Jewish message of the movie is. Uh, I, I want to use Greta Gerwig's words. Um, Greta Gerwig. Um, as I said, Barnard alum, was raised Christian, but grew up um, having close family friends who were observant Jews. And they would consider spend considerable amount of time together. Often her, she and her family would be invited to her neighbor's home for Shabbat dinners. And, and as she said in an interview with Hey Alma, uh, she said that every Friday, the, the family, uh, in this case, the family's father would rest his hands on all the children's heads including Gerwig's head, just as he did to his own children, and bless her. I remember feeling a sense of whatever your wins and losses were for that week, whatever you did or you didn't do, when you come to this table, your value has nothing to do with that. You are a child of God. I put my hand over you. I bless you as a child of God at this table, and that's your value. And what she said, her goal of people going to see Barbie was, I want people to feel like I did at Shabbat dinner. When they see Barbie, I want them to feel blessed. Hmm. That and, and and I think the joy that and emotion uh, that 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 people come out of the, the movie, um, I I think speaks to that. I think for women again, I don't want to speak to women. I don't want to mansplain, but but who the the message resonates. Uh, I I think that's worthwhile. Um, the, the message that you are enough, that you are blessed. Um, I, and I think some of that for, for the men too, right? I am Kenneth, right? Say, saying that I, I I don't want to be judged as a this codependency based on Barbie, always looking for somebody's approval. Uh, I, I think the message is about being blessed and that should be enough. Hmm. I, I, I mean, that's really beautiful. I, I love that. Um, and I, you know, I, I, a couple of things that struck me also about the movie is that it it uh, seems to track uh, the Garden of Eden story and the creation of of humanity of uh, of, uh, uh, of of not having awareness and uh, and then the the power that awareness actually brings um, uh, and the challenge the difficulty of of having knowledge too um the ways in which it can be you know uh, ex- uh used uh, for uh exploitation and, and oppression um uh and uh and and so i think that uh you know in, in in a lot of ways right the the torah is the narrative of you know how to you know build back uh, a better Eden, essentially, right? Uh, um, after we were expelled from the uh, from from uh, from from the garden, uh, how we are, are supposed to be our brothers and sisters' keeper? How we're supposed to look out for one another? How we're supposed to build a a, a, a counter Egypt? Um, uh, and so that you know, there there is, I think, a way in which the, the movie is um, saying, okay, you know, uh, we you know uh, we built a sort of model utopia uh, that we thought 
had fixed the real world, uh, but it turned out that that wasn't true. Um, and if we're not careful, the real world can also destroy the utopia. So how do you uh, how do you um, uh, uh, build a world in which um, uh, in which the 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 real comes closer to the ideal uh, and, uh, uh, and 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 uh, includes as many people as possible in in uh the uh the building of that of that kind of world um uh and then of course right i, I love that right that you know that that i thought was really great about ken's arc right uh, you know i am kenuff right i i don't need to uh it, it, you know i um uh I, I don't need to be uh overbearing and powerful um, I also don't need to be a, a doormat. Like I can be my own person and at, right at Barbie too, right? Like, like I don't need to be stereotypically beautiful. I don't, I can embrace cellulite. I can embrace uh, going to the gynecologist. Uh, I had to talk to my 10 year old about what a gynecologist was after that movie. That was not a conversation I expected to have uh, right after the movie. But, um, but that, that idea that, that, you know, in, in our imperfections, uh, in our striving, um, there is perfection. Um, and so I love that, you know, about what uh, Greta Gerwig uh, uh, said about, you know, that that regardless of, of, of where you are, who you are, you can feel blessed. I think that that's really beautiful. So what do you make of the uh, of the Barbenheimer of it all, uh, of, of the confluence of this, you know, pop cultural phenomenon of these two movies coming out together? What do you think that that says about where we are as a society, about what we gravitate to, what, what, what Jewish uh, lessons do you take from uh, from from that phenomenon? The two biggest movies uh, of the summer of blockbuster movie season. I actually just saw a note that um, Barbie just surpassed The Dark Knight to become uh, Warner Brothers' highest-grossing domestic film ever. Um, wow! But uh, you know, you know, I, I think it speaks to um, extremes. Uh, speaks to highs and lows in emotion. Um, and uh, we're at this time in our, our season where uh, we're in this period. We just finished several weeks ago, Tisha B'Av, which is meant ritually to mark the lowest of lows on the Hebrew calendar. Uh, we hit rock bottom. We read Echa Lamentations. We read about the destruction of Jerusalem. But not just that, we read about the, the fire uh, and smoke. We read about mothers clinging to and holding on to their limbless children, um, their lifeless children. Uh, and, and then we we spend seven weeks with each Haftorah reading, each and every Shabbat. These are the, the Haftorah de Nechemta, these Haftorah of consolation uh, and comfort um, to slowly make our way to Rosh Hashanah, which is meant to represent this highest of highs. And to me, really more than anything else, that's the message. The message is that there are times that we feel that we have hit rock bottom and there are times that we are at this highest of highs, and maybe it, it, it's a message uh, of of the in betweens, right? It, it, it's the simcha um, bottom teaching of you you keep two pieces of paper in your pocket, one to remind you that the world was created for my sake, and one to remind you that I'm just dust and ashes. Uh, and at times we need a reminder of both. Uh, and as we prepare for this, uh, the, 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 these days of awe, these yamim nor in this high holiday season. That's the message for us to hold on to, to never uh, stray too much in one direction or the other. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I think that that's really powerful. Um, you know, listen, I think that there is uh, a, a a hunger for that kind of um, that kind of introspection that you're talking about, which is, you know, uh, I think uh, the the coin of the realm of this season. You know, I think Barbie uh um in in its own you know, sort of like colorful uh hilarious way um forces us to to take a look at the world in which we live uh what we uh venerate and and what we uh and what we denigrate and uh and and to think about the justice of all that um and uh and i and i think that oppenheimer does the same thing you know i think that we we tell this story about ourselves as a as a country um, and you know the the morality of our actions. You know, there's a, a line in um, the unlikeliest of places, perhaps, but uh, uh, you you mentioned DC movies, so uh, uh, it's in um, 
Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. There's a great, by the way, uh, Zack Snyder joke in Barbie, uh, the Snyder cut of uh, of uh, Justice League. Um, but uh, uh, in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, uh, Lex Luthor, who's played by Jesse Eisenberg, uh, says that the that the greatest uh, lie in American history is that uh, power can be innocent. Uh, and I think both movies really kind of shine a light on that. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that, that, that there's power in patriarchy, there's power in capital. Uh, and there are, uh, that, you know, we, we like to tell ourselves that like, these are benevolent powers, right? It's, you know, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, what, what I think Barbie shows is that they're not benevolent powers. Uh, power is not benevolent uh, inherently, right? Power uh, controls. Uh, power uh, abuses, power oppresses, um, and I think that that's true in in Oppenheimer as well, right? That uh, that 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 power can be murderous. Uh, power can be manipulative. Uh, power can be um, uh, oppressive, right? And um, and it can distort, right? It can distort progress. It can distort discovery. It can distort morality um, into thinking that you're you're accomplishing something uh, for good when really it's it's for bad. Um, and I, and I think that you know what what both of these movies show us uh, and and force us to confront, especially in the season of introspection, um, is that we live in a really complicated world. We live really complicated lives. The decisions that we make are not necessarily going to be uh, perfect, but we should be aware. Uh, and awake to 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 what's going on, uh, how we're using our own gifts and our own blessings, uh, and how we're being used and abused uh, uh, in ways both visible and invisible. Amen. Uh, so may we use uh, the, this month of Elul to do the Hashbona Nefesh uh, necessary for for each of us uh, to do the the hard work to come. Amen. Well, well, we I, want to know what you thought about uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer and Barbenheimer. Uh, let us know. Uh, smash that subscribe button. Reach out to us. Uh, like and uh, share and review the podcast so other people can find can find us. Uh, we're, we're glad to be back. It's been a great summer at the movies uh, and a great summer overall. And we're uh, looking forward to continuing the conversation with each other and with you. Until next time, I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And I am Rabbi Michael Knopf. Come Bye, on, Barbie. Barbie. Let's go party. Take care, everyone.